welcome to Jell of the Month Club. This is your host, Diana. On this very special one-year anniversary episode, we are analyzing What Have You Done to Solange? We will also discuss co-ed horror films and how schoolgirl Jolly, including What Have You Done to Solange, predates ideas that are used widely within the slasher subgenre. For this celebratory episode, I am joined by a popular contributor to Jell of the Month Club, He is a returning guest that you already know very well. He's a podcaster, musician, film lover. Welcome back to the podcast, Wade Brown. Hey! Hi, Wade! Thank you for your producer uh, for clapping. Oh, round Um, of applause. Thank you. uh, Thanks, uh, Braid Round. (laughs) (laughs) Braid Round. Uh, And also, uh, you forgot to mention that I am also... The very first guest of Jowl of the Month Club. You are. So, if it's the one-year anniversary, it's only fitting for me to be back. Yeah, you The Wadester is back. Many great... Please don't call yourself the Wadester. It's already done. <laughs> Your fans are probably going to have signs now called oh, Wadester. Hashtag, hashtag Wadester. Yes. Oh, no. Please don't do that. Well, Wade, you have been on many great episodes, and I've had quite a few fantastic guests. Yes, you've had a lot of great guests. Uh, but I'm just going to say now, I have a feeling this is going to be the best episode ever. I'm yeah. just going to say it. I hate to put standards, but one year anniversary, yeah. the movie we're doing. I should have downloaded some kind of sound effect, fireworks. It's called, and it's called Post. Post. Okay. I'll, I'll do that for the one year episode. I'll, I'll make it really I'll, special. I'll, I'll make the sounds. <laughs> <laughs> the crowd going yes. wild at our, and before our we Jello just, talks. And before we even start. I have to a joke that I said off air that you <laughs> did not laugh. You were just stone faced okay, the right, entire time. Let's hear this joke of yours. Well, your cat likes to just run back and forth in the studio, and I made a sound of music joke. I was like, "Solange, farewell." And literally, I think I hear the crickets outside. Just crickets. I was like, how do you have crickets inside of your studio? It's how? another one of the sound effects for the one-year anniversary. You're so good at these special <laughs> effects. Wait, I also had a joke that is very special for this episode. What is it? Do you want to hear it? You're going to say it. It's your show. All right. Wade, have you done to Solange? And this is my last episode on Jowl of the Month Club. So long farewell, Wade. Also, funny joke, uh, I also, for the longest time, I just recall it Solange, because I keep on saying whatever happened to Solange, and it's not, it's supposed to be whatever happened to Baby Jane. Yeah, you've just been putting Solange in different movie titles. Solange in the... It's a food, right? Then you yeah, I, th- I thought it was a fruit. Yes, I keep on saying, like, Solange and the Furious. It's so weird. well that is not the film that we are discussing today we are discussing a giallo film from 1972 but before we get into the film of the month have you been watching anything interesting or that you would recommend to the listeners since you were on the last episode yes i have a couple things show wise most of the covid i've been you know binging shows and i am finally done season three of the Expanse, the final sci-fi made season. You were talking about that on last month's episode. Yeah, I, did see, I finished episode. one and two, now I'm on season three. The next season is season four, which is on Amazon Prime. That's Amazon Prime paid. I don't know if they paid for it, but they were the ones like kind of like footing the bill. Have you bit. watched any of that one yet? No. Okay. I'm, I, I'm interested to see if the production value is. It's interesting. Uh, uh, well, at the end of season three, they opened up really high for... Uh, special effects and then movie wise i've been doing a lot of like kind of like finishing franchises that i've only watched one or two of Mm -hmm. that i haven't finished yeah Um, now's the time to do that yeah so i did subspecies which is a full moon picture you know the people who did Mm -hmm. puppet master movies it's not the greatest series i've ever seen in my life so i can't say i'd recommend it it's a very different cup of tea there you go yeah yeah. different flavor of the world but the main one is probably Phantasm, because I've only seen one and two. Yeah. Because when I was in a movie store, you know, three and four were out-of-print DVDs that you could never get, really, unless you really want to go to eBay. And I'm like, I don't trust eBay. I like the search. It's 
like comic books. I like searching for them. I could buy it online, but I like to search. But it's now available on Amazon Prime. I guess it's just fate that you've been watching the Phantasm films because the day that we're recording this episode, it's Angus Grimm's birthday. Yes. Yeah, so I watched... Basically, I started... I mean, I've seen one and two, but, you know... Uh, I, I've never seen the Phantasm 4K remaster, which looks amazing. One is amazing. Two is amazing. Three is fun. It's fun. It's not as mm-hmm. good, but it's fun. Four is still pretty decent, you know. But five, I don't... I wasn't... Five, I wasn't really, I wasn't really a fan. Yeah, I heard that was probably it's, the worst uh, of the series. Phantasm always had, like, this ethereal kind of nightmare kind of, like, yeah. filter. This one felt too clean... It was in front of a different director, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt too clean. It felt... Just didn't have the same style. But, it, yeah. I mean, the ending is very fitting to the story of how you followed it. It makes sense on the character of Reggie. Ice cream truck driver <laughs> turned badass. It makes sense in the end when you watch it. Like, oh, oh, that's why. Uh, but a great ending. I feel like they should never make another one. No. Angus is never no, no longer with us. And right. also... Just don't. Even if you're trying to remake it, because I heard they're remaking Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. No. Right. That movie is perfection. Don't touch it. That's a classic. It has Will Smith and Kevin Hart. Well, you know what I am excited for? They recently announced, which I typically would be against a sort of remake for this, Rachel Wise. She is producing or directing a... David Cronenberg's Dead Bringers series. Yes, I heard about this. Yes. Super excited for yes. that. Yes. That's it. That's all I've been watching. I mean, I've watched various movies, but just like... Well, I've been pretty busy watching movies for Fantasia International Film Festival. If you follow the podcast on Instagram, you've probably noticed that recently I've been posting reviews and different content. I do want to compliment you on your Instagram. It's so pretty. Like, you know, if I want to, if I want to look at the reviews on your page, they're all, they're all yellow. I see the I see what you do with the color. I see it's very clever. Yeah, it's very jollo. Very right? jollo. <laughs> I like how you separate them. So if I, I want to look at a review, I can see them on your page. Yeah. To me, I just, I just wanted to comment you there. It's not because you're paying me to say it. <laughs> my producer's paying him. Yes. Uh, not, not myself. What, what was it? Bay Brown. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not familiar with Fantasia International Film Festival, it is one of the largest, most influential genre film festivals in North America. And it runs from August 20th to September 2nd this year, virtually. So it's all online. Exclusive content will be coming to the Instagram page, as well as a roundup episode posted in the beginning of September. The films that are playing at Fantasia from August 20th to September 2nd are geo-locked to Canadian audiences only, but many of these films will be available elsewhere after the festival. And if you're not in Canada, there are panels and Q&As that are available worldwide. So if you go to Fantasia Festival's website, you can find all the information on how to get tickets to either a film or tickets to a panel. That's it. That's all I've been watching is movies to review. (laughs) You've just been busy watching movies and stuff, man. It's, It's busy life. Yeah, and I've also been busy watching this film, What Have You Done to Solange? Yeah, me too. <laughs> Why do we... This is the first time someone's ever made that joke of like, I'm also watching this movie. <laughs> no one's ever made that joke in this whole show. Be Took a whole year. Just a little surprised if you were on the episode and you did not watch the film that we were discussing. <laughs> that, would, that would be... No, I'm not like using that for this segment. But yeah, that would be really weird. <laughs> that would be disastrous. <laughs> Hey, did you watch the movie now? I'm just going to wing it. You know what? One day I'm going to tell you I watched the movie and I just never did. Hey, Diana, you know how on the podcast and the Instagram and the Twitter page it says that you deliver a fruitful exploration of a Jalo film each month? Well, I just didn't watch it, so... Yeah, it's, it's not really fruitful. It's just barren. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the nothing of the month club. The something of the month club, I <laughs> yeah. guess. Yeah, let's talk about this movie. What Have You Done to Solange follows a series of murders targeting students of a Catholic girls' school in London. After several students are violently murdered, a professor who is romantically involved with a student becomes a suspect, as do several other male and female teachers. In addition to the murders, there is also a subplot involving a missing girl. What Have You Done to Solange is well known in two separate subgenres. It is often said to be one of the best Jolly from the 1970s. 
On the other hand, it is a dirty exploitation film. Being set in a Catholic girls' school, with a protagonist having an affair with a student, and including two extended shower sequences, and a very nasty signature murder method. What Have You Done to Solange is a provocative film that deliberately pushes the boundaries of censorship and good taste. And this was a listener-picked episode. Yes, it is. They're always the most fun, aren't they? Yeah, I, I put my feelers out for gory jolly or female-fronted jolly. Yes. And I think this covers both bases. Yeah, um... Except for a protagonist is a male and not a female, but there's a lot of females in this film, and it's very nasty. I mean, it's about what happened to Solange. <laughs> it's about yeah. Solange, yeah. Oh, duh. Well, right now is the part where I say spoiler warning, because this episode will contain spoilers. If you have not seen What Have You Done to Solange, it is available on Prime Video, and there is a beautiful release on Arrow Video. Press pause, this is a good thing about technology, just pause this, watch the movie, come back, and listen to this. Exactly. And I will also do a trigger warning right now. This film contains themes of abortion and underage sex. Yeah. Spoiler warning, if you haven't seen it, go watch it on Prime. Trigger warning, themes of abortion and underage sex. So if you do not want to see a movie about that, don't watch it. You can feel free to listen to this episode, but yeah. we'll talk about those themes later. I'm, I'm going to squirm a little bit, because you, yeah. did, you did not warn me. You watched this before me. You did not warn me. Well, no one warned me either. I was like, oh, so it's like, <laughs> if I suffer, you suffer too from this warning. <laughs> Um, well, no, because if I told you not to watch it, then it would be uh, mm, of the month club. Mm. 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 <laughs> what Have You Done to Solange contains a few classic Jalo tropes. There are visions or nightmares of death. There's creepy phone calls. Extramarital affairs. Mm. Boobs. Mm. And 38 minutes into the film, there's a cute cat. That's my favorite Jalo trope. Yes. Uh, and this one's a white cat. So cute this one and was... sweet. I love it. Makes me want to cry. <laughs> I don't know why I'm speaking like a kitten. A kitten. Kitten baby voice. Yeah. Sorry, Andy Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> this starts uh, very kind of um, clashing ideas of peaceful and serene to trying to have sex in a canoe. Yeah, the structure of the story is such that the first half, we focus on the protagonist and his affair. There's a bit of melodrama early on in this section where you a get the, bit. the soft a focus. In the second half, once the teacher's personal situation has been eradicated, yes. you could say. Neutralized. Neutralized. He and his wife take on the role of amateur detectives. A regular Sherlock Holmes and John Watson. You could say that, and they try to unravel the mystery at hand. Yes. The film was directed by Massimo Delamano, and it was released in March of 1972. What Have You Done to Solange was the first Jalo film to be shown at the Adriano Theater in Rome, which did not normally show films of that genre. So it was a bit groundbreaking in Rome at that time. Also, it's worth noting that the crew involved with the film was mindful of the American aversion to dub foreign films, so the production team decided that shooting exclusively in English would be best despite the accent of the actors. So I believe what's on Amazon Prime is not the actors, it's dubbed, but it's English dubbed on English. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why? Whatever. Whatever. I mean, cool. Thanks. So wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So they were speaking English, but they... So either way, they, they dubbed the English with different... Is it the same actors? I don't think so. They did this recently for Bicycle Thieves that I watched, and they just dubbed over their voice with a different actor. It's interesting. But anyway. Well, I didn't think that was very noticeable because, again, they were speaking... English, so the words perfectly yeah. fit perfectly over, you know, their lips. So yeah. it wasn't noticeable at all. What Have You Done to Solange was released under various English language titles, including The Secret of the Green Pin, The School That Couldn't Scream, and Who's Next? 
I think they picked the most accurately better name. They picked a great name, except for... Do they even talk about Solange until the second half of the film? Barely the second half. More like the last third of the movie they talk about Solange. Yeah. Like, I'm that's, just going to yeah, straight up say... that's way more it. accurate. I'm just going to straight up say it. This movie, to me, was kind of a mess structurally. It just... It's like, oh, oh Solange, I thought I missed something. I do wish that they had a few hints at Solange or a missing girl in just the a, beginning of the film. Just a mention. And I don't think I missed anything because you didn't catch anything, correct? Okay. Yeah, it would have been nice for a little bit of foreshadowing when it comes to our title character. Yes. Speaking of the characters, we have a cast of many young females, but we also have our protagonist, Enrico Rossini, who is played by Fabio Testi. Do you mean the guy with the very suave hair and beard? Mm-hmm. The one that is a protagonist I can definitely get behind. You know, <laughs> what he's well, done. yeah, he's the teacher that is having an affair with one of his students. Then he suspects that he might be the cause of the murders. It, it's also kind of implied that this isn't the only one. You know what I mean? I get, I got the vibe that like this was not the only student that he had uh, extra marital affairs with. You know, I got a vibe that he's done it before. Yeah, I'm not really sure, but he did look guilty, or he at least looked extra guilty, because he was trying to hide his affair, so he wasn't being truthful and upfront with things. So that's why he became a prime suspect, was because he was trying so hard to hide this affair. Yeah. Well, in addition to Enrico, we also have Herta Rosini, who is Enrico's wife, who she's a bit of a chameleon because I feel like the first half or the first two-thirds of the film, she's very... Not noticeable in the background? She's very understated. She's not wearing a lot of makeup or flashy clothes. And then once the affair is over, then she's going on picnics and... She got the groove back. Yeah. You could say that. Yeah. yeah I, I'm just, I was very kind of surprised that she's like, okay, I guess, I guess you're being truthful and cool, whatever. <laughs> and they're all, they're all happy. Let's sort of solve this murder case. Mm-hmm. And then we also have Enrico's lover, who's Elizabeth. There's another schoolgirl named Brenda, who's the blonde schoolgirl. Um, a few other minor characters, like the priest and other teachers and the police. And then, of course, we have our title character, Solange. She's played by Camille Keaton. It's her debut role. She has no dialogue throughout the film. The listeners would know her best from I Spit on Your Grave. Yes. Yeah, so Camille Keaton, who is in I Spit on Your Grave, which is a revenge horror film. And during... Also our... in uh, this film, which is a revenge horror film. During the research, I learned that there's an I Spit on Your Grave second movie. It came out, wasn't the last year? It ago. came out last year. It's called Deja Vu. And I said mm-hmm. this to you, and then you said, I spilled her grave. Yeah, I spilled her grave, Deja Vu. And then you said, I spilled her grave. I, I said it multiple times. Like Deja Vu. get Deja Vu joke out. And I'm not sure if you could tell, but neither one of us get each other's jokes. Never. <laughs> Never. It's, it's pretty stacked. I mean, it's, it's only really... Enrico, uh, his wife, uh, the inspector, yeah, the priest. Location-wise, we have the girls' boarding school in London, or the Catholic girls' school. We have different shots around England. We also have different shots in different homes. There's a... What's that? It was like a boat apartment or something? Yeah. Right? It was on the water. It seemed, I, I got the vibe it was on, but it was on yeah. the water as well. Yeah, we yeah. have that scene... That kind of came out of nowhere. The paint of studio. Note. Yeah, nowhere of note, but, you know, the location fits the, the boarding school co-ed vibe. Yes. The cinematography was by Aristide Massasassi, and I really like that monochrome red opening. I think that was kind of the standout for me, was that scene. I'm really into, like, really nice title cards, so I thought that was, like, a really iconic... Yeah, cinematography, uh, there's... It's one thing about cinematography is it's not necessarily standout or great, but there's moments that gleam like that. Another one is uh, the infiltration of the apartment into the bathroom of the tub and then out 
and he runs into that bearded guy, the mm-hmm. long-haired bearded guy. Yeah, like that in the hallway. That one, mm-hmm. It seems like a one-shot, that one-shot POV yeah. of it. Like, that was probably the best shot in the entire movie for me. I don't know if you that want to talk about cool what one. happens in the scene yet. No, it wasn't one shot because they cut the, to the towel a lot. So it was basically two long shots. Really great. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I liked that scene. It, yeah, it was meant to look like one shot, and I thought that was very interesting, especially considering it was in the 70s. Like, I thought it was very inventive. And then the music, we did not do this on purpose, but the music is by Ennio Marconi, who we talked about extensively on the Fifth Chord episode of last month. It's probably not the best score he's ever... It's not a bad score, but it's like not... It wasn't as memorable as others Yeah, it's be. not iconic, but It's understated, which it's... works for the movie. Mm-hmm. He gets the beautiful, serene, and he also gets the really, really tense parts as well. Like he, he's, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, it's, it's it's really hard to talk about him and his scores when it's like, he's Morricone. Marconi. He's Marconi. I mean, that's all you need to say. Liam Marconi has done music for many Jalo films that have had many kills and many murders. Let's jump into the kills. Yes, let's do it. Trigger warning, there's a lot of genitalia attacks. What Have You Done to Solange has a 105 minute runtime. And surprisingly, there's only four kills total. And that averages about one kill per 26 minutes. Which is pretty low. I think it's one of the lower lower kill counts. This was a, this was a slow burn. If, you, if you're looking for the uh, lots of the bodies hitting the floor to quote drowning pool, you're not going to get it for this movie. No, I think what it lacks with the kill count, it makes up for with Intrigue. The, that, the mystery and the nastiness of the murders. Let's just get into it. So, while on a date with her college professor, a young woman sees a man with a knife stabbing another woman in the woods on the nearby shore. The professor convinces his mistress to keep silent about what she saw, especially after it turns out that the dead victim was one of her classmates. The victim was Hilda Erickson, who was strangled and stabbed in the woods. She gets a knife up the vagina and took an hour to die. So she was suffering for one hour in the woods before she actually died. Also, side note, they show, like, the parents show up, right? No, I'm wrong. Am I wrong? When the parents show up and they show the x-ray of her pelvis, the knife in it? Like, why would you show your parents that? After Hilda Erickson was murdered, another girl was killed by the same attacker. The victim was Janet. She is a blonde college student who is kidnapped from her house and stabbed. This is when we see the cute cat. So the second murder is about 38 minutes in. Yeah, and they were also, that was when the parents were like, don't go out. Like, basically saying, be careful when you're out there. She was trying to be careful, but jerk. Not careful enough because she went outside alone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The jerk. Shortly after the professor's mistress is drowned in a bathtub, that's when we have that long what's supposed to be one one shot. Yeah. And it's Elizabeth, you know, the teacher's girlfriend. She's drowned. Drowning! That's actually a Jolly trope. There's a lot of drowning in, in Jolly films. Definitely in tubs. Yeah. Definitely in tubs. No Blood one takes showers. Blood and Black Lace <laughs> had a good drowning scene. Um, and this also, uh, this is, that point in the movie, that's where it, the tone of the movie changes. Mm-hmm. Like, completely, like, in my opinion, once Elizabeth dies, it becomes a completely different movie yeah. I feel like it's a better movie. I completely agree. Like, I feel like... The, could... the melodrama kind of ends. The, most of the scumminess about how you feel about people that cheat and have an affair have affairs is a little bit over. The police suspect the professor who admits his affair to his wife in hopes of getting her to support him to clear his name. So, you know, give him an alibi. Like, a real alibi because it, he wasn't the person that did the killings. It comes to light that all of the victims had seen a local priest and were friends with a young woman named Solange. Solange began attending the all-girls school the previous semester, but had mysteriously disappeared. This brings us to our final murder and the reveal of our killer. 
The professor's investigation ultimately leads to the existence of a depraved secret club of wicked girls that his mistress and the other murder victims had belonged to. The secret club leads Enrico to Ruth Holden, the maid of Brenda, who's one of the cast members that I mentioned earlier. She's one of the blondes. Brenda is one of Solange's former classmates who was also involved in the secret club. The maid, Ruth, is found alongside her dog. So, dead dog, trigger warning. Yeah. Here. It's in my notes. Dead dog. Yeah, I should have mentioned face. that under trigger warnings in the beginning. But truly, there's a lot of dead animals in Java films. So, yeah. I feel like we have to do a trigger warning on all the dead animals, which is sad. But Ruth is found next to her dog, viciously murdered by having a shovel rammed inside her vagina. A lot of blunt objects into uh, private parts. Yeah. Um, there's a scene where, I forget what girl it is, they bring in, they're talking to the parents like, you know how like they bring in the parents to identify the body? Mm-hmm. Instead of doing that, they bring, the, the detective brings them into an x-ray of the pelvic region with a knife in there's it. There's no reason to do that. Why would you show the parents this? Like, if you told me that, i believe you. I don't yeah. need to see an x-ray. I don't need to see an x-ray of, like, just a knife just, like, perfectly placed in a vagina. In a, <laughs> in a pelvis. And, and a hip. Perfectly placed, you know. <laughs> like, it was, it was such an odd scene to me. Like, why would you show the parents this? Right. After the maid is murdered, the police additionally learn that the priest that several of the victims had spoken to was, in fact, not a real priest. Instead, it is found out that Solange's father, a wealthy professor from the same school, has been acting as a priest. Solange. Enrico, his wife, and the police confront the father, who at first denies any wrongdoing until his daughter Solange appears. She just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, she's like, Pooh, I'm here. Prior to this, Brenda and some of the other girls see Solange at a carnival. Yes. Alone? I don't know if you, you would really... Okay, we'll get into maybe this. She maybe she escaped. Yeah, yeah, I think she was... Thin. She was like, so long, farewell, but then she was... No, she, she didn't she, laugh at the joke either. <laughs> <laughs> so, mute and appearing, emotionally disturbed, Solange leads the professor's wife to the place where the final girls club member was kidnapped. And that's Brenda. Brenda was kidnapped earlier by the father. Yeah. Solange's father confesses as to why he committed the murders. His daughter had become friends with the members of the secret club and began participating in sex parties. Solange became pregnant and the other girls in the club insisted that Solange gets an at-home abortion by Brenda's maid, Ruth. Alright, this is where the first trigger warning really comes into play. A flashback scene. It's black and white. Mm Mm-hmm. So you know if you want to fast forward right there, it's where you fast forward to this color again. Yep. What is likely to be the most horrific scene in the film, the maid performs the at-home abortion procedure with a long, sharp needle. Not much is shown, but what is implied is gut-wrenching. This event traumatizes Solange physically, mentally, and emotionally beyond repair. She is no longer able to speak and unable to become pregnant. I mean, I have nothing to add to that except for it sucked for the character, and I bet it was awkward for the actor, too. Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, nothing is shown. There's just the over the head, over the shoulder angle with the secret club girl standing around the table and Solange on the table with her legs open, and it's, it's just brutal, like... I, I don't even know how to describe it, but it was very rough for me to watch. And it was rough for me to watch as well. Yeah, and the event did traumatize Solange, and they said that she now has infantile regression. It's also called age regression. It occurs when you mentally retreat to an earlier age. In all ways, you believe that you are back at that point in your life, and you may exhibit childish behaviors. Solange is going basically back to... Her innocence. Yeah, to her innocence before that was done to her, and probably before she met these girls. In this case, it can be a coping mechanism to help relax or eliminate stress. 
It was a way that the ego could protect itself from trauma, stress, or anger. Also didn't help that her dad was murdering people. Mm-hmm. That doesn't help at all. Yeah. Also locked her into her house. Right. The father realized that an abortion is what damaged Solange and symbolically performed a similar deed on the girls once they'd given him the details of what really happened. So while he was masquerading as this priest, the girls confessed to him what had really happened. After confessing to the murders, Solange's father then takes his own life by shooting himself in the head. They fooled us. They thought, I was going to shoot Enrico. But Enrico's like, no. And then gunshots heard, everyone rushes, and you find out that he killed himself. All I could do is worry, like, what happened? What happened to Solange? It's not the name of the <laughs> the movie, but it could be what happened to Solange. Like, what, after her father is shot, does she have a mom? Like, who's going to take care of her? I'm sure she's going to be, like, an, an adoption thing. You know what? Maybe Enrico and his <gasps> wife. Adopt her. And then they find that right. cat. All right. The story now has a happy ending. There we go. We did it. There you go. We did it, guys. Oh, thank goodness we wrapped up that film so it had a happy ending. That was the best (laughs) fan fiction I could think of. (laughs) The abortion procedure was just absolutely gut-wrenching, so it made me really sympathize with Solange as a character, which is why I wish that there was some alluding to her existing in the beginning of the film, because then I would not feel like she was just pigeonholed into the film. As I mentioned in the... In the beginning, this movie's a weird anomaly for me. Like, as someone who likes to think of themselves as a screenwriter, <laughs> like, it felt like the writer was like, he had no plans when he wrote this, and he just started writing and he came up with ideas the as he went. The film is actually based on a book. Really? But apparently, it's very loosely based on the book. So I think they did, maybe they took the characters or the, maybe the plot Maybe maybe the writer was like so, like he was writing the script and he was like so interested in the melodrama, they realized, oh, I should start writing about the rest of the stuff. And he just threw in the Solange stuff at the end. I feel like the first hour of this movie is a slog. Like I I feel like the first hour of the movie you could probably cut down a lot. Mm -hmm. I feel like we didn't need much of the Enrico wife stuff in the the marital extramarital affair we could have cut that down maybe she drowns in the tub 15 minutes in right it's also could be why he's tied to the place as well i mean you could do so many things with it um i didn't read the, the book so i don't know how the book is or does the book spend half the book about the melodrama with the 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 affair I don't know. I felt like as a movie, you could probably cut that down. Because near, near the end of that, that segment, you're like, like, can you guys, like, talk about this? Because it's just basically the wife, like, giving Enrico the side eye. Like, I know what you're doing. And Enrico's like, I gotta go well, when I was coffee first or whatever. introduced to that character, the wife character, I thought it was either his maid or his sister or yes. his co-worker. Like, I didn't even get a married vibe from them. Because you saw him on the canoe. You saw him and Elizabeth on the canoe. Well, I sort of... Wearing that ugly jacket. That was another <laughs> kill. The kill of fashion. Yeah, a lot of the With fashion. That jacket. Wasn't. I think those... Oh, of course, classic schoolgirl outfit. Um, and then the wife's clothes, once she has her glow up, they're very nice and fashionable. But I think the male fashion in this movie is nothing to write home about. Yeah, she was... And, uh, and also, I don't know how that says about her... Like, of the wife when she's like, oh, he didn't... When she was like, Elizabeth was a virgin. Oh, she was a virgin? Oh, uh, I guess everything's okay. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'd still... I mean, he still did other things with Elizabeth. You know, it doesn't mean that he didn't have the affair. It doesn't mean... Like, does her idea of affair means... Penetration. Penetration? Right. I think it's more of it's emotional than than it's definitely cheating. Right. Well, overall, I thought the film deliberately tried to push buttons to put off casual viewers. You know, you get the first half, which is a melodrama, which is not that offensive in the second half. Well, besides the kills, the kills are very offensive, the method of killing. Um, And then, of course, you get to, like, the hard jalo. It's more of that, I don't want to say the inspector, but most of the males are 
issues. Mm-hmm. If you notice that, <clears throat> like the the priest, the father, he has issues. Obviously, Enrico is not faithful. He's kind of brash. He's kind of like he has to be the center. But all Jalo protagonists have to be the center of attention sometimes. Like they're always like they're not a cop and they always get involved with the case. <clears throat> you know how Jalo films are. Also, the mysterious male that got Solange pregnant. Yeah. Like, but if you look at all the females, like, the wife is very... Was her name Hilda? Herda. Uh, his wife, Herda. Like, she's been cheated on. And she feels like her... Like I said, her confidence came back halfway through mm-hmm. when she realized there was, you know, Elizabeth was gone. It's one of those things... Like, and then Solange is innocent. Elizabeth is innocent. You know, Elizabeth is in that, in that relationship with the professor. But, you know, it's kind of more on the professor being a weirdo doing that than her. Yeah, sure, the secret sorority, they have, like, a sex party, but um, they're not as worse as the men. So I think it's more pro-women than, you know, there's, I'm saying the, the men are more flawed than the women are in this. Well, on one hand, it shows that women put up with a lot. They're very strong because of, you know, what they have to deal with, with their rights, <laughs> you know, their own body. Um, and then on the other hand, it shows that people are very fragile. And they can be very easily damaged. Yes. Overall, I would say that what Have You Done to Solange was well shot. I think it had a fine score. But, you know, of course, Morricone, like, it's not going to be a garbage score. It's a very fine score. The second half includes a decent plot. And the motive was satisfying. I thought that it was a, a smart motive. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm about in the same boat. The last half make up for the first half. Like once you get that second half, it really starts rolling. Once the wife teams up with uh, Enrico, it's very like we're getting to it now, and then we're starting unraveling things. It starts getting interesting now, uh, and the ending and the motive really ties up everything. The motive makes it. Like, it's one of those things, like, I, you don't approve of what he's done, but you understand why he did it. You understand what happened to his daughter who wants them to feel the same pain. Well, worse pain, obviously, because they're dead. But he wanted that. Like, I'm not, you, know, you can't condone him, but you understand why he went mad. Or went deranged to the point where he's going to kill these women. For just being teenagers. Teenagers are terrible. You know? They're going to have the sex. They're going to rebel. They're going to do all these things. It's not his right to do that. But it's also his daughter. And he yeah. loves her. Everyone, and it, it's it's it, you understand. It's like, complicated. It's complicated. You understand why he did it. You don't condone why he did it. Exactly. Yeah. What Have You Done to Solange is the first entry in a loosely linked series called the Schoolgirls in Peril Trilogy. The second film in the series is What Have They Done to Your Daughters from 1974. There was a third movie in this loose thematic series called Trauma from 1978. The schoolgirl Jolly were unique compared to most other Jollo films. The series followed the sexual exploits of teenage girls and how they acted around adults. Unlike the later American slasher film, the Jollo subgenre didn't tend to focus on teenagers being killed. The Jollo felone mainly targeted rich and glamorous adults, artists, writers, <laughs> you know, what we've been reviewing for the past year. The schoolgirl or co-ed jolly predate ideas that are used widely by their slasher offspring. Academic institutions, including high schools, boarding schools, colleges, and university campuses, have historically been frequent settings for horror films. Film scholars have noted the prominence of educational institutions in the development of horror cinema, particularly in the subgenre of slasher films. Critics have cited themes of bullying, sexuality, social acceptance, parent and child relationships, academic performance, and the development of morality during teenage and young adult life as primary reasons that many horror films have historically used the backdrop of high schools and colleges. The high school experience is different for everyone. Some of cinema's most scream-filled films take place on a campus. What Have You Done to Solange has a strong theme of co-ed or academic horror. Wade, 
I believe it recently you watched a boarding school Jallo, right? Yes, uh, it's it's a Jallo. Um, it's also very supernatural. It's a Dario Argento film called Phenomena. It's very loose on the boarding school idea. Like it, it's, well, it's, it's murders at a boarding school. Yes, uh, in it, the Alps, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and Buzz. Beautiful setting. Buzz also great. One of my favorite uh, Goblin Argento themes is uh, Phenomena. Uh, also, Iron Maiden's Flash of the Blade is awesome in that movie. Um, but yeah, like, you know, you got that one girl that's kind of... Well, Jennifer Connelly, she Jen- can, what, communicate with ant- um, bugs, bugs, right? She can yeah. communicate with bugs, which is so gross. Yeah, like, she's kind of quiet and to herself, like Solange is a little bit. Mm-hmm. There is no uh, professor sleeping with <laughs> their uh, student. Yeah, their student. Um, but there is a chimpanzee. Yeah. Who's awesome. There's some really iconic imagery from that film, but of course, like, Argento has so be- some beautiful one-shots. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's boarding school Jalo. I mean, there's a few other films that I've seen that take place in a boarding school. You know, you have, like, Fear in the Night from the 70s, um, Satan School for Girls. My other show, Criterion Connection on YouTube... Actually, did one recently, not recently, maybe like a year ago. It was a picnic at Hanging Rock from 1975. Yeah, Australia, Australia, right? Yeah, it's an Australian boarding school, and girls start going missing. So, I mean, that's definitely check out. Yeah, that would pair well with this film. Also, The Possessed from the 70s. I think that boarding schools were, you know, more popular back back in the day. So, there's a lot of older films that have boarding schools but as far as like newer schools <laughs> you'll love this one uh, Halloween H2O we no. have Laurie Strode as the principal of a boarding school oh, no. uh, Cry Wolf and there's this one called Moth Diaries from 2012 I have not seen it but that's a female boarding school um, about vampires Ooh. so boarding school and you know high school colleges college campuses they're very popular settings for horror films since the theme of this episode is co-ed horror or academic horror, do you have any flavor of the month picks that go with that theme? Oh boy, do I. I have two very loosely based Tales from the Crypt episodes and yeah. I have one film. I'll do the Tales from the Crypt episodes. Surprisingly, there's a lot of Tales from the Crypt episodes that don't end up in like college. They're very adult, like they deal with adults, but I found yeah. two that are on the same season. Season five. These are very. One is it's close, but the other one's very loosely based. So I went by co-ed college university ideas. Um. So you have season five, episode seven, House of Horrors, which has Will Wheaton in it and uh, Steve Coogan and oh god, who's the other one? Jeremy London. Jason London. Jason, Jason London. London. Uh, House of Horrors is uh. About this fraternity, uh, they have their pledges, which is Will Wheaton, Steve Coogan, and uh, Jason London. They're doing, they have to go to this haunted house or whatever, and they meet this other sorority, the sorority that's like, hey, we're gonna, you know, we want to party, so we'll join you on this, and it doesn't go well for this, the fraternity, I should say that. Yeah, it's a haze, like hazing gone wrong. Yes, hazing yeah. gone wrong. Oh. What about the second one? The second one is season five. Episode nine, Creep Course. Uh, it involves. It's basically it's a university. It stars um, Anthony Michael Hall, mm-hmm. which is a notable one. And the most one, I hate mentioning his name, but Jeffrey Jones. He was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I believe he has been convicted of child pornography. So oh. it's hard saying his name because he was very talented, but it's hard to talk about him. Yeah, it's basically about they trick this female student into being locked with a mummy. And let's just people say that people's organs start melting into black tar and they throw it up out of every orifice. It's really gross, but it involves a university. So I have to mention it. Also, it's one of those movies, it's one of those episodes that I watched as a kid and scarred me. But another movie, speaking of phenomena. Uh, another movie that deals with boarding schools that I feel like you'll we'll never really talk about in depth on this show because mm-hmm. it's not really a Jalo film, but Suspiria. 
Yeah, that's that's a good one. Yep. Like Suspiria. Nineteen seventy-seven Suspiria. I didn't love the two thousand eighteen one, but I know it has its own audience. Watch either one, whatever floats your boat. If you like Suspiria the remake, watch it with this. It's gonna be a good uh, double feature. I personally really like co-ed horror, so it was really hard for me to nail down a list that was smaller than like. Seven movies. I already. Can I guess one? I know one. I think I do. What do you think it is? Is it either Scream One or Two? Well, I have Scream Two on my list because it takes place on a college campus, and there are a lot of fantastic scenes in fraternity and sorority houses that are, and on, of course, the campus that are way more iconic than some of the scenes in the high school in Scream. Justice for Randy. <laughs> A few of the other films that I really like that are considered co-ed horror. Black Christmas from 1974. Carrie, 1976. Watch that when you're going to prom. (laughs) Of course, when the shower scenes popped up in Solange, it took me back to Carrie. 90s co-ed horror that I really enjoy is The Faculty. Yes, The Faculty. Yeah, so like sci-fi... Co-ed horror, a baby Elijah Wood, oh yeah, baby Josh Hartnett. The faculty is so much fun. I love the faculty. And then bringing us into the two thousands, because I kind of wanted to span across a few decades here. I have the Black Hood's Daughter from two thousand fifteen, which is Osgood Perkins' first film. He made Gretel and Hansel recently. He made a few Netflix movies. He's also Anthony Perkins' son. And then Happy Death Day from 2017, which is a really fun movie that just takes place completely on a college campus. Yeah. Sort of Groundhog Day meets a slasher film. Yes. So Happy Death Day, super fun. You mentioned a relative of Anthony Perkins. We forgot to mention that Camille Keaton is actually the granddaughter of Buster Keaton, famous uh, silent film actor. That, okay. that, you know, that rivals uh, Charlie Chaplin and stuff like that. We forgot to mention that. I did that in my memory. Just, oh, oh, yeah. All right, so, well, so if we want to do some, like, famous family bonds, what have you done to Solange and the Black Coat's daughter? Family of the Month Club. <laughs> we have Spaghetti of the Month Club. Now we have Family of the Month Club. We're running out of show ideas. Too many. Yeah. Other than Spaghetti of the Month Club and Blah Blah of the Month Club, do you have anything to promote, Wade? Boy, do I. Uh, you know, nothing, like I said, nothing's like really popping up because of the whole COVID stuff kind of put a thorn in all the plans. But you can also follow me personally on Instagram at SuedeGuy uh, if you like vinyl and tattoos and stuff like that. I post stuff like that or goofy stuff like that. Uh, also, Letterboxd, SuedeMCP. But I also really want to plug... Uh, the stuff on the Mint Condition production stuff I do. Yeah, how about um, it? Mint Condition Productions is our Instagram. Check it out. We're still feeling into the Instagram. You just uh, had a cool like Mortal Kombat episode yes, come out, right? Yes, on our podcast, Mint Condition Podcast, which is on like Spotify and stuff like that. We did a Mortal Kombat 1995 retro review of the movie. We released the podcast on August 18th, 2020. The movie came out August 18th, 1995, so 25 years later. Mm. So it's a 25-year anniversary. It's one of my favorite episodes we've done. Go check it out right now. Um, Check out our past episodes because, you know, they might not be there forever. Because, you know, we're thinking about moving to different places, stuff like that. Make a Dish podcast. Check out our YouTube, youtube.com slash Make a Dish Productions. I got my short films that I direct and write. I got our Criterion Connection, our B Movie Den. We can watch stuff. that picnic at Hanging Rock. Yes, our actually, our 150th episode just dropped a couple days ago. We did Bicycle Thieves, our 150th episode. Check it out. So that's 150 episodes you can watch for free on YouTube. Yeah, just put them on. They just play. They just loop. Yes, you're on a couple of them. I am. You're on literally two. You're on a couple. You're on Rosemary's <laughs> Baby and uh, Lady with a Portrait on Fire. Portrait of the Lady on Fire. Sorry. <laughs> it's got tongue tie. It's been a long Almost. episode. It's been a long episode. Sorry. Yeah, I love that. We did uh, Rosemary Baby, Rosemary's Baby, what, Halloween last year? Halloween last year, yes. Yeah, we're going to have to do something spooky this year for Halloween for sure. I mean, what else do I have to do? It's COVID. 
That's true. I don't have nothing better to do than dress up in costumes and make YouTube videos. Yeah. Speaking of not having anything else to do, I've been very busy. (laughs) (laughs) Keeping myself busy. And I have more stuff to promote than usual, which is not a bad thing. As always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Jollo Club. I have Jollo of the Month Club pins for sale. All information on those pins is available on Instagram. Feel free to message me on Instagram or email Jollo of the Month Club at gmail.com if you have any questions. Jollo Month Club's logo design, which is also on those pins, is by Vegan Patches on Instagram. Theme music is by Dream Division. You can find Dream Division's music on Instagram at Dream Division Music and on Bandcamp at DreamDivision.Bandcamp.com. You can follow myself, Diana, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at DianaNK. It's D-I-A-N-N-A-N-K. Diana with two N's. <laughs> Please stay tuned for a Fantasia Fest Roundup episode in September along with two new guests on upcoming Jallo episodes. So this is, this is the last year for me for a little bit. Thank goodness I had those two guests lined up, because remember, this is your last episode. Oh, yeah, because you made that joke. Yeah. I'll probably might come back. Okay. The fans want me. And wa- watch, I'm joking here, but the fans detest me. <laughs> and they don't want me back. Uh, it's going to really backfire on my face. Oh, man. If you're listening to this episode on Apple Podcasts and like what you hear please give a five-star rating. If you're listening on another platform... Six. (laughs) No. (laughs) Like it, thumbs up, the highest stars. They're different on every platform, but I know that Apple Podcasts is five stars. Wade, thank you so much for being here for this extra special one-year anniversary episode. Thank you for having me. And before you, I know you close this episode, but I'll say goodbye to the audience by saying, So long, farewell. <laughs> and I will not say that. This has been another wonderful episode of Jolly of the Month Club. I'm your host, Diana, and my guest is. Wade Brown. Thanks for listening. So long, farewell.